Our scripture reading this morning comes from James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, and James chapter 4, 13 through 17. If you would like to follow along in the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 1012. Uh, 1012. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And in chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, now as we bow before you, we, we thank you for your word, which is true. It is truth. And we live in, in a world where so many want to have their own truth, but you have given us objective, true truth. Thank you for that. Give us hearts willing to depend upon that, to believe it, and to take comfort in it, to be instructed by it. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay. I want to take us way back. Do you remember maps and atlases? <laughs> now, children, maps are these big pieces of, of paper 
that have uh, roads written on them and uh, it's the way that we used to go from one place to another. We would open a map and atlases were a book full of maps. Uh, Maps were also things that caused your uh, grandmother and grandfather to get in fights. Um, (laughs) As your grandmother told your grandfather as he was driving uh, what the map was saying, but she never said it quickly enough, (laughs) or she was turning the map in order to orient it with the road, whatever it was, it was never good enough. And so uh, nowadays we have GPSs. And uh, the, the GPS basically does that which maps used to do and tends to uh, teach us turn by turn how to go from, from one place to uh, another, which, by the way, in terms of GPSs, there's at least one part of the GPS that I'm not all that fond of. And um, I actually, in the past, changed the voice, the female voice, uh, on our GPS from the American woman to the British lady (laughs) because the American woman sounded way too bossy. That's... (laughs) That's just my opinion, okay? So, uh, that's what GPSs uh, do. But if you notice my little bit of rebellion against that and, and how often, you know, the, the joke used to be that nobody will, you know, a, a man will never stop to get directions. Ladies, you don't have to nod so vigorously. When, <laughs> uh, we'll never stop to ask for directions and, uh, and I think we, we tend to be that way. And to, to feel like we know the direction we want to go, we want to figure it out if we don't know, and we don't necessarily want someone else telling us which way we ought to go. Well, today we're, we're going to look at what the book of Proverbs has to say about making plans. And in a sense, that's what we're talking about is is getting direction. Plans, of course, having to do uh, with our life. Now, I want to mention, because uh, you you all know already, uh, Pastor Jason read the scripture today, and it was from the book of James. Uh, Some have seen... James as being like a New Testament book of Proverbs. Uh, It it kind of uh, is more free-flowing than some of the other books in terms of its organization, goes from one subject 
to the next and then may come back to another subject, kind of like the wisdom literature sometimes does and certainly the book of Proverbs does. And there are a lot of parallel subjects. Uh, James, of course, is much, much briefer than uh, Proverbs, but there are a lot of subjects that both of them touch on. And that's why I wanted us to hear from James what he says about making plans. But for the most part, we're going to go back to uh, Proverbs till we see this, this passage on James later on. So let's, uh, if you can turn to Proverbs, we're going to be kind of bouncing through, hitting a number of different verses. Uh, once again, because that's the way it's organized. Um, it's not as though you say, okay, chapter one is on making plans, chapter two is on relationships, and so on, but rather uh, they, they hit these subjects many times. Remember, this is wisdom literature, it's uh, poetic literature, and so that was a very common way for uh, it to be written. So a couple of things we need to understand before we look at uh, uh, the principles to live by uh, to make wise plans, and we've, we, we need to understand more about ourselves. Why, why do we even need these principles? And the reason is, if you're following the outline, our knowledge is not enough to make wise plans. Our knowledge is not enough for us to necessarily make wise plans. Proverbs chapter 3, and this may be the passage that uh, more of you have quoted to me when you've said, oh, one of my favorite verses is in, in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Okay, so straight paths think in terms of that's the right way to go. Crooked paths is the wrong way. It's not as good a way to go. You may get to the same place ultimately, but it's not a good way to go. So Solomon here says that we ought not to lean on our own understanding. Sometimes we, we almost skip over that because it starts with trust in the Lord with all your hearts, and we, we, we stop there, and that's, that's good, that's essential. But the thrust of this is that when one makes a decision, he or she is going to lean on something to make that decision. What are you going to lean on? He says... One option is your own understanding. The other option is the Lord. And he says, don't lean on your own understanding. And we're going to find out why he would say that. It doesn't mean we don't understand anything. It doesn't mean we can't know anything. No, we don't, we don't believe that. But it's not sufficient for us if we want to make the best and, and the right plans. 
So what does the Bible say and Proverbs say in terms of why we cannot lean on our own understanding? I'm going to give you two reasons. The first is uh, our plans are not the same as God's plans. Okay? Our plans are not the same as God's plans. Proverbs 19, verse 21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. This is one of those things where I'll be, I'll, I'll be going to other passages, so by the time you get there, you're going to go, oh, now he's on another one. That's why they're in your outline, uh, by the way. But uh, also in uh, Proverbs 16, verse 9, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Do you see what's happening here? In, in wisdom literature, in Hebrew poetry, we have what we call Hebrew parallelism. And sometimes that means that a statement will be made and then another statement will be made that will be the same statement only with different words to emphasize it. That's one kind of parallelism. Another kind is where two statements are put side by side and they contrast one another. And that's what we have here. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So he's not saying don't bother planning. You do that, but understand who ultimately is going to uh, establish steps. Now there are, are two verses in Proverbs that are identical. They're not just parallel, they're identical and they're uh, a couple of chapters apart. Uh, so if something is said once anywhere in the scripture, you pay attention. We don't believe God has to repeat himself for it to be important. So if something is said once, we pay attention. But if something is said exactly the same way twice, double that. Pay special attention. So in Proverbs 16.25, it says... There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So remember, our, our big point here is our plans are not the same as God's plans. Here he's saying, and also in Proverbs 14, 12, it's the exact same thing. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. So so we can, sometimes we'll try to figure something out. And in our, if we're doing it in our own flesh, without the wisdom of God, without using the principles that I'm going to lay out here, it'll seem good. It'll seem right. And he says there are times where that, it seems perfectly right to you, but it actually will lead you to death. That's our problem. Our GPS is broken. Our maps are out of date. 
our compass is not showing where true north really is. Now, why? Why is that the case? Well, we got to do our biblical theology. We go all the way back to Genesis. This is why our GPS is broken, because uh, in uh, the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, Adam leaned on his own understanding. He didn't trust in the Lord, his God. God had said, there's one thing I don't want you to do. You can do all these other things. There's one thing I don't want you to do. And Adam said, that's the thing I'm going to do. And so he sinned. Sin came into the world. And it was passed down to all of us. We're not going to argue about whether that's fair or not. That's just the way God worked. By the way, if you don't think it's fair that that all of us become guilty because of Adam. I don't think most of us have an issue that all of us can be free from guilt because of one man, the second Adam, that's Christ. So I'm glad he works through representatives. I wouldn't have done better than Adam. I probably would have done worse. And so uh, sin came into the world, and then with that, the curse came into the world, and that's what broke our GPS. Because it, it, since that time, it has always been our tendency to lean on our own understanding, and our own understanding is not sufficient. It's not right. It's not good enough. And so, that's our dilemma. Another reason our own understanding is, is not enough is that we don't know the future. Proverbs 27, verse 1. And this is going to sound very familiar, very much like what we see in James. Proverbs 27, 1 do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. I want to tell you how I learned that firsthand. A number of you know this already. I learned it firsthand because on March the 29th, 2005, if you had come to me and said, let me ask you what you're going to do tomorrow. It was, a, it was a Tuesday. What are you going to do tomorrow? Here's exactly what I would have said because this was my plan. Well, I'm going to go into work and I'm going to work on my sermon for this Sunday, but I'm also preparing some teachings because next Monday, Connie and I are flying over to Athens, Greece, and uh, I'm going to be doing some teaching at a Mission to the World conference, and so I'm preparing for that probably tomorrow afternoon. And then following that, uh, tomorrow 
afternoon. Uh, I'm going to do what I do every afternoon, and that is go, go to the park and uh, jog a few miles. And then I'm going to go home. That would have been my answer. And I actually, on March the 30th, 2005, did all of those things except go home. Because while I was jogging, I'd only gone a couple of miles, that's when I had my heart attack. And instead of going home, I was life-flighted to a hospital. We were living in South Atlanta at the time. I was life-flighted to a hospital downtown. I was, uh, they did a, a cath and put in a, a stent. And that night, instead of being at home, I was in the cardiac care unit. And Connie was sitting beside me all night watching the monitors. I learned what it says in James that our life is but a mist. I, I never understood that before. A mist, meaning it, it's here now, but it can, it can disappear that easily. And I learned that while it, it wasn't wrong for me to make plans, I was doing what I absolutely was convinced God was calling me to do in each of those things that I would have said I'm doing tomorrow. And they were all good things, but God had other plans. None of us knows what tomorrow will bring. You may think you do. But I will say it again. You've heard me say this many times. Control is an illusion. If you think you are absolutely in control of your life, of what will take place the rest of today or tomorrow or the next day, you are deluding yourself. So since our knowledge is not enough, what are the principles then to live by in order to make wise plans? And by the way, none of this is to say don't plan. This is how we have to function. But thank God he gave us these principles over in uh, Proverbs 15, verse 22. The first principle is that we are to seek wise counsel of others. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now back in Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. 11.14. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. 
So we need wise counsel when it comes to making plans. Other Proverbs, though, indicate that it's, it's not just many advisors that we need. It's not just, you got to have a lot of opinions, but we need wise guidance. We need wise counselors. And of course, the, the last two weeks, we were defining where wisdom comes from, and wisdom comes from God and godliness, from those who are in Christ. So here's what it says in Proverbs 20, verse 18, in terms of our, our, our counselors. Plans are established by counsel. Yeah, we need counselors. By wise guidance, wage war. So you're making this decision. You don't just need counselors. You need wise guidance in terms of your counselors. So here's, here's our caution. Be careful who your counselors are. You need to have wisdom in, even in how you select your counselors. That's a part of seeking God's wisdom. Let me tell you a, a scenario that I've seen far too often. And, and this is just an example. There are many parallel scenarios along this line. This one is, is heartbreaking, but I've, I've seen it a number of times in my ministry. A person is in a difficult marriage. This person is a Christian. They want a divorce. They know that there are some biblical reasons where divorce is an option. It's not commanded, but it is an option. However, they, they're not too sure. In fact, they think that their marital problems probably don't fit into those parameters. So they begin to ask around. After all, good decisions are made with much counsel. But the key is who they ask. They talk to people that they know, or at least they may not even be close to them, but they are aware of them. And they especially talk to people who have been in similar circumstances in terms of a difficult marriage. And they begin to get counsel. And that counsel is uh, uh, affirming what they were hoping for because of who they have sought out. And if someone feels that uh, either if they're not a Christian or they feel that, that they have a uh, been through a divorce that isn't biblical, they're all too quick to welcome others into that club. And so by doing that, by choosing to listen to those people, they get the advice they want. They've sought counsel, but it's been in the wrong places. 
And sadly, I've seen some actually defriend believers who have told them the truth, even in a loving way. Be careful who your counselors are. Look for those who are mature in the faith. Look for those who will, will tell you the truth even if it's not what you wanted to hear. Go to those who will tell you biblical truth as well as they understand it. Be careful who your counselors are. Secondly, stay away from evil. This seems so obvious, but in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. 4, 15, avoid it, do not go on it, turn away from it and pass on. So again, there's a choice of which path we're going to take on further down in Proverbs 4. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your feet away from evil. Proverbs 5, verse 22, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he's held fast in the cords of his sin. And Proverbs 14, 22. Do they not go astray who devise evil? Those who devise, and by the way, that, that term devise means who plan what is good, meet steadfast love and faithfulness. Let me give you another common scenario. Someone says to me, I know what the Bible says, but I prayed about it and I'm at peace. Maybe you've said that at some point. I know what the Bible says, in other words, that it, it says for me not to do this, but I prayed about it and I'm at peace. Peace. I am often impressed at how people can conjure up peace even when God has already explicitly spoken. Don't judge when, when God has spoken clearly. Do not judge whether you're doing right or wrong by whether you're at peace or not because we can fool ourselves. I see it far too often. Proverbs 28, verse 9. And by the way, Proverbs, there, there's only three places that I'm aware of where it talks about prayer. 28, 9. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So here's, here's the point. If God has spoken on something... Don't bother praying about whether you should do it or not. You don't have to pray. I'm, you know, it's hard for me as a pastor to stand in the pulpit and say, you don't have to pray about that. 
But if God has already spoken on something, you don't, don't pray about that. Don't say, God, do you, but should I do that? What you said? The, the scripture here says, if you're turning away from the law, even your prayer is an abomination. So you don't need to pray about it. You simply need to listen. And then a third principle, and, and there could be probably 10 principles, and I've tried to lump them under these. The third principle is the Lord's way will prevail. Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. That's 16, 3. And then 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. That's where our peace should be. That God will overrule and do what is best for his children. And so some of you might say, or this might be one of those things in community groups that, uh, that, that we start saying, well, why do we make plans at all then? If, if God's way is what's going to prevail. Why bother to make plans? Because he told you to? That's why. That's where you always start. Now, why does he want us to? Well, he, he loves using us uh, in terms of our being instruments of his. He loves for us to uh, make plans in his way because that grows us. It grows our faith. It causes us to focus on him when we realize that uh, leaning on my understanding is not sufficient because I don't understand the future. My knowledge is limited. My ways are not always God's ways. So, how do we do it? In terms of application... Listen to the Lord. That's, that's the first thing. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So there's, there's what he's saying about the scripture. Look, all Scripture has value in your life to correct you, to guide you, to keep you on this straight path. It's there that we learn that God is good. We learn it in the Scripture. It's in the Scripture that we learn what he calls wicked it's there that we're reminded of his sovereignty and there we know of his goodness toward his children. That's the only place we see those things is in the word of God. So we begin by listening to the Lord and then secondly, by talking to the Lord. Back to Proverbs 15, 29 that I read earlier, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Who are the righteous? 
those who are trusting in Christ alone for their eternal life. It's not those who act good. We, none of us can act good enough. Only Christ was good enough. So that's what we do. We, we listen to him, and then we talk to him about our plans, and then we humbly accept his plan as best. I, now I want to take you back to the James 4. You've heard it read already, but let me read it to you again after what we've read in Proverbs. In James 4, verse 14, he says, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. There it is. We don't know the future. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. If you ever get a note from me or anyone else, and at at the end of the note, it has a capital D period, capital V period, you may wonder what that is. That's actually referring to this passage. It stands for Deo Volente. And what it means is God willing. If God is willing. And that should be our heart. One might say something like this. Yes, I plan to be there. DV. Deo Volente. I plan to be there. If God is willing. Now, we don't have to talk like that all the time. It's okay. We don't have to be super pious in that. That's just where our heart needs to be. When we say, yes, that's my plan to do that, our heart should always be, unless I'm providentially hindered, unless something from God changes that. So make plans. Use prayer. Use your knowledge of the Scripture Use the words of wise counselors and then step out in faith and make plans using your sanctified common sense. And by that I mean using these principles. I shared with you earlier about uh, March 30th, 2005, my heart attack. Since that day, virtually every day, I have read this statement and prayed this to the Lord. I came across this very shortly after the heart attack. It's from Jim Elliott's journal. Jim Elliott was, uh, long ago, was a missionary who was on the mission field. Ultimately, he was martyred for the sake of the gospel but in his, in his journal, some two years before that, here's what he wrote. I read Job 12, verse 10 again, which is in his hand is the life of every living thing. I recognize that all I am and have is the Almighty's. He could in one instant change the whole course of my life. With accident, tragedy, or 
any event unforeseen. Job is a lesson in acceptance, not of blind resignation, but believing acceptance that what God does is well done. You get it? His way, his path is the best. And so here's the prayer. So, Father, with happy committal, I give you my life again this morning. Not for anything special, simply to let you know that I regard it as yours. Do with it as it pleases you. Only give me great grace to do for the glory of Christ Jesus whatever comes to me in sickness and in health. Some of the most important lessons in my life came out of me having a heart attack March 30th, 2005. I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because his plans are always the best. Let's pray. Lord, whatever you ordain is right. And whatever you ordain is best for us. Will you give us hearts submissive to your word, to your Holy Spirit, to wise counselors? Give us wisdom even in choosing our counselors. And then, Lord, help us to step out on faith to seek to go your way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.